In an episode of Taking Up Space featured on CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria, we find out how a Muslim woman deals with being racialized in overwhelmingly white spaces. I'm, my name is Anna Bintunas. I am a Muslim woman who covers her face uh, with the niqab. I'm a writer and a freelance editor, a grassroots activist within the Muslim community, basically combating oppression and injustice wherever it may be. Between the Victoria that I remembered growing up, which was very idealized, compared to now in an age where Islamophobia runs rampant and been sworn at, I've had people spit at me. I was walking to Dallas Road Beach with my daughter, who was five at the time, white woman, middle-aged, um, just very professionally, just stops and starts spewing profanities on and on and on while my five-year-old was with me. During every incident, I would have to think about how is my daughter viewing this, but at the same time, give her an example to show that you can be scared, you can be upset, but always remember that we have strength of our own. This podcast was sponsored by the Community Radio Fund of Canada. To listen to the full story, visit cfuv.ca. The University of Victoria Student Society, the Martlet and CFUV are proud to present the following candidates forum for the District of Oak Bay, originally recorded on October 5th. Hello and welcome. We're just going to get started now. I think the live stream is all good to go and hopefully people are watching at home. Uh, I'm just going to give a little introduction. So the three of us are from the Martlet, we're UVic's independent newspaper, and we're going to be moderating this evening. I'm Isabella Kennedy, the editor-in-chief, and I'll be moderating with Carly Sider, who's also on our Martlet staff, and Mary McLeod, our operations manager, is going to be the timekeeper for today. I'd like to acknowledge, acknowledge that we are on the Lekwungen people's territories that were unceded, and the Songhees, Esquimalt, and Wasanich peoples whose historical relationships with the land continue to today. Uh, just to lay some ground rules, we are not endorsing any particular candidate tonight. We're here for students to be informed and to have an informed vote. Um, we collected questions in advance from students about these issues that they want candidates to speak on, including housing, the environment, and reconciliation. As some ground rules, we will not tolerate any bullying or harassment from anyone here tonight. Um, So while brief clapping is allowed, we are asking that no booing or cheering um, happen during this this session. Um, We will be asking the same questions to each candidate, so you'll all get a chance to speak on all the questions. Um, We will select who answers first by drawing out of a mug and proceeding clockwise from our way, so through there. Um, Mary will be holding up time cards on how much time you have left, and you'll either have one or two minutes depending on which question, and we'll let you know before we ask the questions. Um, When time is up, we'll ring a bell, just indicating that you are done, and we will finish off and start off with two minutes Uh, dedicated to opening or introductions and a closing statement to speak on whatever you'd like at the end. Just a reminder to everyone here today that election day is on October 15th and there's advanced voting in Oak Bay on October 12th at the Oak Bay Municipal Hall. Let's get started. So first we'd like to ask each candidate to take two minutes to introduce themselves and their platform. Hazel Braithwaite 
is not here because she's sick. So Izzy is reading a statement from Hazel. And the time will begin when you start speaking. the organizers for allowing my opening statement to be read. I'm so sorry that I'm not there in person to see you and take your questions, but having tested positive for COVID-19, I was unable to be there. Please feel free to reach out to me at your convenience if you have anything to ask. My contact information can be found on my RAT card. My husband Rod and I have lived in Oak Bay for 33 years. Our daughter went to Willows and Oak Bay High, and I was fortunate to be able to volunteer on numerous committees at both schools and within the community. For the past four years, I have been the council liaison to UVic, and so have spent quite a bit of time learning about the different building projects around campus, including the new student housing and dining project. I was able to tour this facility at different stages as it was being built and was truly impressed by the vision of this beautiful building. It has brought some much needed new housing to campus, and I know there will be other projects coming forward in the near future to add even more. In my day job, I'm the director of philanthropy for United Way Southern Vancouver Island, helping raise money to support a network of services throughout our region. It's a job I love doing and feel so fortunate to have. If re-elected, my priorities for the coming term will be the following. Working on appropriate housing and transportation, redeveloping Carnarvon Park. I hope I pronounced that right. Carnarvon? Okay. It's beyond time we did that. Planning our village space, Oak Bay Ave, Fowl Bay Road, Estevan, and Cadbro Bay Road could be so much more appealing and usable. And thanks again to you all for being here. And again, my apologies for not being able to be here in person. Okay, so that was since that was a uh, prescribed uh, pre-decided pre comment, comment, we're going to now talk randomly with the first uh, speaker who's present here tonight. Okay, okay. and that will be Leslie Watson. Okay, that's you, and then someone will follow by that. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Good evening. Right. Good evening. Good evening, and thank you for welcoming all of us to this lovely opportunity to be able to engage our young minds. Uh, I'm Leslie Watson, and I've been blessed to call Oak Bay my home um, for the past 24 years. years. I moved to my husband, who's a faculty of Cambridge, so that he could take up a faculty position here And so we have known and loved the university for the whole time we've been here. In the time that we've been living here, I've been involved in community and family life in Oak Bay, in the schools and sports clubs in my church and in other volunteer roles. Um, my own background academically is I'm trained in economics and environmental studies as an undergraduate from University of Toronto and I have a master's in urban planning from University of California at Berkeley. Uh, and I've spent most of my career, not the last 10 years, but all the time before that, um, working in senior roles in housing and sustainability um, in, and planning in local governments here in British Columbia, Australia, Ontario, really just Toronto and Ontario, and in California. Um, I would bring that experience and my concern for community to the council table. 
A minority of those I've spoken to at the front door tell me that they, that they don't want Oak Bay to change. But Oak Bay has been changing, and much of the change I see I am concerned about. To keep Oak Bay vibrant and connected, I'm a strong advocate for more housing and more housing choice, great spaces for everyone, and I won't get into the details, but that's my line for this, climate-friendly planning and development. I'm really looking forward to this opportunity to engage with you this evening, and thank you again. you up next and the time will start when you begin speaking. Thank you. Thank you for um, taking the time to come out and meet the candidates tonight. I'm delighted to be able to be here. My name is Esther Patterson. I originally um, arrived in Oak Bay in 2010. I formerly was from Winnipeg, Manitoba. I worked for an international firm, a privately owned firm established in 1857 with interests in uh, the biggest was in agriculture, oil and gas, wealth management, and I was president of the real estate division. So I was responsible in the portfolio for everything from office towers to canola processing plants and had the opportunity to work across Canada. The first thing I did when I arrived in BC was do a, an art history tour of indigenous art through the province of BC. That was wonderful and I learned that everything that I learned in Manitoba with First Nations didn't, in fact, um, relate to what I saw out here. The second thing I did was read the annual report at Municipal Hall and quickly realized when I looked at the, the, um, the audited statements that the very low net book value meant that the infrastructure was at the end of its useful life and without reserve funds, I believe that we had quite a serious problem with replacing the aging infrastructure with a lack of funds. That in the new term, if I am successful in being reelected, I will be looking for increasing the capacity output so that we can get the infrastructure fixed in a, in a reasonable way so that it will allow us to look at our housing and all of the other initiatives. I also am very keen on incorporating environmental issues into the planning that we do and developing mitigation strategies and parks, green spaces, and public fixturing. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and uh, it's a delight to be here with all of you. Uh, my name is Eric Zelka. And I've uh, been on council for two terms now. This would be my attempt at being elected by you uh, for a third term. I've been absolutely uh, uh, delighted to, be, uh, to, uh, to live here in Oak Bay. I moved here when my daughter was one year old, born in Toronto, and uh, moved from Toronto. And now she's in first year UVic. So uh, it's, uh, it gives you sort of an idea how long I've been here. My son uh, was born in southern Oak Bay uh, on McNeil. And he's now at Lansdowne in grade eight. Becoming, I now have two teenagers at home. It's been it's a lovely delight. Uh, I wish somebody could tell me how teenagers work, but uh, I feel I feel a bit better knowing how cities work uh, with the experience that I've gained, not only uh, through uh, through the, the time on council, but also I guess I was first elected to to a uh, a community um, type of a thing uh, type of organization on the Toronto Islands. I actually cut my teeth um, saving the, the island homes. If anyone's familiar with the islands, 
just off the harbor from Toronto. It was a bulldozed uh, a community to, to be bulldozed, um, and we basically fought City Hall and won. Um, uh, if anybody uh, sees a stilt walker up on um, on uh, Victoria Day, that could be me. I actually learned how to stilt walk as part of the whole artistic process of, uh, of engaging the public and getting them, uh, shall we say, on our side. So those uh, techniques uh, I now see some of you using coming to, to the council table and convince us to make changes in your area. Uh, I'm a professional engineer and uh, design uh, strength and systems. Uh, and I really appreciate how all of these files that we have to work on sort of interconnect with each other. And I definitely look forward to, uh, to sharing ideas with you this evening. Uh, ericz.ca. Oh, I have 15 seconds left. What else can I tell with you? Uh, yeah, I've had a chance to work at a number of different companies around the world. And I uh, definitely look forward to uh, uh, taking my roots even deeper here with you. Cheers. Excellent. Thank you. And now we'll move to you. Thank you, uh, Heishka. My name is Roxanne Helm. I uh, moved to Victoria, Oak Bay from Vancouver as a young person. My dad became the director of buildings and grounds up at UVic here. And so I pretty much grew up at UVic. I have uh, graduated from Oak Bay High School and I got a Bachelor of Arts degree at the University of Victoria. And everyone in my immediate family has a UVic degree. My husband, my two kids, and myself. Uh, my husband actually, a long time ago, was the editor of the Martlet. He would have loved to meet you. Uh, I followed my economics here at UVic with law at Dalhousie University, and then came back to Victoria. I've been in the private practice of law ever since, so over 30 years. Uh, and I'm a courtroom lawyer, so uh, I've represented a diverse clientele with all manner of problems uh, my whole career. Uh, I'm an advocate by training. I'm an evidence-based decision maker. I'm a mediator and collaborator. And those are skills that, uh, in my respectful submission, are valuable to a person sitting on council in local government. Uh, in addition to practicing law, I've served on numerous governance boards. I was the president of the Intercultural Association. Uh, the, I was a community representative on the Coalition to End Homelessness in Victoria. Uh, I currently serve as chair of the uh, Canadian Heritage Arts Society. Yikes, lawyers talk too long. Uh, anyway, I have lots of governance experience. I love Oak Bay, and I would be delighted to uh, bring my experience to uh, serve on council. Thanks. Thank you. I'm Corrine Green, and coming to UVic is like coming home for me. I've done both degrees here, um, and it's a, it's a special place. In fact, I think it's a huge asset to our region. Um, local governments could learn a great deal through the leadership that you and this university have shown in climate change, in Indigenous law, and in a number of other areas. Um, I also believe in partnerships, and one of the things that I thought about actually was a partnership in student housing with the municipalities. So I think that would be an important um, issue to explore, but I was born and raised in Saanich. I attended uh, junior high and high school actually in a place that you might not know called Reno, Nevada. 
um, and I came back to um, Victoria to attend the University of Victoria. Most of my career, it has involved helping others. Um, I, was, uh, I worked in the criminal justice system, and I worked largely in post-secondary education, both at what is now Vancouver Island University, at the Cowichan campus as a student services administrator. And there I first met in adult Indigenous students, and this was a tremendous introduction to the poverty, the trauma, and the hardship that they faced. But education really is their future and their hope, in my opinion. So I worked with a number of communities there, then came to the ministry where I worked in post-secondary education there as a policy advisor. And now I have served in two communities, both rural and urban, as a counselor. And I'm seeking my second term in Oak Bay. Um, and thank you very much to the Martlet and to the university for hosting this, this forum tonight. This is Aldo inviting you to join me for an afternoon at the opera. The best of opera from the past and the present. Great voices and legendary performances along with brand new recordings every Tuesday at 1 p.m. You're at home. You're in your jammies. No, you're not in your jammies anymore because we're several months into this thing and you get dressed now. You deliberate on the appropriate pair of socks for the day. You've gotten to know your cat's routines, like, very specifically. Are you ready to shake it up? You can host your own radio show with CFUV. All of our trainings are being conducted online and you can record from the comfort and safety of your own home. Go to cfuv.ca and click on volunteer to get started today. That one's closer. Hi everybody, my name is Andrew Appleton. I am a first term counselor, so just wrapping up my first term on, uh, on council. Uh, played a number of different roles on council this last past term as uh, liaison to the Heritage Foundation and Commission, also uh, to the Advisory Planning Commission, and I'm also Oak Bay's Library Board trustee. So I've lived in Oak Bay since 2014. I've got a couple of uh, teenage boys, the first of which just started UVic last month. So we have a UVic student in our house and he's enjoying it so far. Uh, my professional training is I'm a renewable resources technologist. I work in environmental protection, sustainability, fish and wildlife habitat protection, and I've done that for about 20 years. Uh, I've worked in the nonprofit sector, spent about 10 years in the nonprofit sector, and at every level of government at one time or another. Uh, my big priorities for this upcoming term are a lot of the things that I've really gotten known for on, on council this last past term. Sustainability is a big one. So working on sustainability initiatives, I founded and chaired our community climate action work group. So getting those recommendations rolled out in the community. I'm a very big active transportation advocate, um, brought forward a number of initiatives this term uh, to do with active transportation. And I've been a year round bike commuter for 12 years now. So I kind of play that role on council. I'm definitely very focused on the housing file, especially for protections for renters. 
um, and also looking at our villages and uh, just creating really great public space as a former board member of the Greater Victoria Placemaking Network. So those are the things that I'm really, really passionate about. Um, I love the work, I love the job, um, and I'm really looking forward and really enthusiastic about being given another term. Thanks very much. Hi everyone, um, thanks so much for coming out and engaging. Um, it's fantastic uh, to have this opportunity to chat with you. My name is Carrie Smart. I came out to uh, Victoria about 30 years ago to attend UVic where I completed a degree in visual arts and uh, in, in, in the fine arts. Uh, and I, I fell in love with uh, Oak Bay and, uh, and Victoria and I now live in South Oak Bay with my two teenage kids, one who attends Oak Bay High and another who's at Lansdowne Middle. I am passionate about community and when I finished my visual arts degree at, at UVic, I, I did my thesis in public art and started doing public art projects and that led me to architecture because I really wanted to do something impactful for as many people as I could. Um, a lot of people might know some of my, as, in addition to being an architect, I am an advocate um, in the community uh, for public transportation, um, active transportation. Uh, and climate issues. I have advocated to the school district and to the municipality of Oak Bay to declare a climate emergency. Uh, I also have been involved in numerous public art uh, and public space projects, in, including the Boulevard Project and Cook Street Village by Bill Berger, um, also public seating in Pemberton Park, as well as a public seating project on Broad Street when they closed that downtown. Um, I'm. My leadership experience uh, includes being a member of the Oak Bay Advisory Planning Commission, uh, as well as a member of the Oak Bay Climate Action Working Group. Uh, and I've also chaired the BC chapter of the Royal Architectural Institute of Canada. Um, and I'm also currently a board director on the not-for-profit Dance Victoria. My priorities are increasing housing stock, uh, implementing a cohesive active transportation network, and making Oak Bay more inclusive. I love Oak Bay and I want to bring uh, progressive and fresh voice to council. Thank you. Amazing, thank you so much everyone for your introductions. We are now going to move into some questions asked by students for you. So the first topic we're going to talk about is housing. Um, you have two minutes to answer this question. What tangible steps will you take to ensure there is affordable housing for low income citizens, such as students and those working minimum wage jobs, affordable as in 30% or less of one's income, not just current market value. Okay, and now we'll randomly select the first to answer, and that will be Esther Patterson. Thank you for the question. Um, I think that uh, we really in Oak Bay face a challenge where we have the highest um, cost of land in the CRD, and so trying to um, guarantee affordable housing is really um, is something that I don't think is we can commit to. Um, what we can do, though, is provide greater diversity of housing with greater options um, for the population to choose from. We have, a, we have a very unusual situation in Oak Bay. Being so close to the university, we have a lot of students that are seeking housing. We also have one of the, um, the greatest uh, percentages of aging population, and we, we don't have the elder care facilities to phase um, the older members of our community into. So housing across the spectrum is, um, is quite an issue 
for us. Certainly, I think that one thing we can do, and in fact, our mayor has already taken steps to do this with the mayors of the um, other members of the CRD, is to, to write to the, uh, the minister to encourage that uh, the university be a permitted and supported in acquiring debt to develop student housing here on campus. Uh, that would do, um, do a lot, certainly, to resolve the problems with student housing and take some of the burden off of this com community of Oak Bay to, in fact, allow us to perhaps expand also elder care and more diverse housing options for families and for uh, greater accessibility to members of our community that that might need housing with special access needs. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm waiting for you to call my name. Hello. Again, it's Eric Zalka. Um, the question has to do with uh, what housing for affordability and concrete steps. Excellent. So, um, as mentioned by Esther, um, uh, uh, we do have a slight housing issue, uh, all, well, all around, uh, but Oak Bay in particular, since we're fully built out, we do have some lands, and we do have some, actually, we, Oak Bay owns a few, uh, two houses. Uh, the previous mayor, unfortunately, uh, uh, contributed to the how, one of those two houses being left empty for over 10 years. And one of the first things, first things that I wanted to do when I got on council the first time was to ensure that that house got uh, 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 reoccupied. Uh, the uh, the Syrian Afghan refugee sort of uh, um, crisis helped to, to get some some folks into not only that house but the second house that we acquired as well. So we actually have now Ukrainian refugees in at least one of the houses, and we're working on on upgrading the second house that needs a bit of work. Uh, for concrete steps, I'd like to see a housing corporation pulled together, similar to what Tofino did. I I, I can't see uh, uh, the private developers. Uh, if we bring in, uh, uh, David Eby has incredible, uh, incredibly good ideas in terms of what we can potentially do at the provincial level, down at the local authority level. I'd like to, to try out some of those ideas. They're good, um, but uh, in terms of, um, of uh, forcing some of the developers to do certain things, as I've seen in elsewhere, such as Toronto, uh, if it's too heavy-handed, the developers will stop building. So a housing corporation building on public lands, whether it's a community land trust like what I grew up in back in Toronto, or, or something like what they're doing in Tofino, I think would be very helpful. I'm also, as the liaison to the to Camosun College, uh, uh, encouraging them to move forward with their strategic plans to put extensive uh, student housing on the Oak Bay parking lot. A, a part of Lansdowne campus is actually in Oak Bay. It's that parking lot. I'd love to see them um, with the... Uh, um, uh, debt that they're able to take on through the province to actually go out and build that housing and finish their strategic plan. So those are some of the ideas I'd like to see move forward as quickly as possible. Thank you. Roxanne, go ahead. Thank you very much. Uh, I wish I could have gone first. I really like Esther's answer, I have to say, and by the time we're done, it's going to feel a little bit repetitive. Uh, Obviously, housing is a huge issue, and some of you may have seen uh, just recently in the context of the NDP leadership race, David Eby released his uh, uh, housing platform, and it's kind of scary to uh, municipal government, I suggest it should be, uh, because the message is, you do it, if you don't do it, we will. And uh, 
it's obvious Oak Bay is fully built out. We aren't like Langford or some other municipalities where we have room to expand and just grow, grow, grow. Uh, so we have to uh, reinvent ourselves to some extent. Uh, we of course want to do that in the context of maintaining the wonderfulness that uh, brings us all to live here. So uh, it's a real challenge, but uh, we have to not be the ones who are always saying no, because if we do, the province is going to say yes for us. And uh, uh, the council just recently in Oak Bay approved secondary suites, which is a great step forward in my view. Um, and uh, yeah, there's more to do. Uh, obviously, there are a lot more residences on this campus than there were when I was here. Uh, and you always, I suppose, as a student, have the feeling that you're just a little bit behind. Um, but a lot's been done and uh, more to go. Oh, sorry, I can't see that very well. I thought I had 15 seconds, so I was trying to race through. Oh, okay, I did. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks for the question. It's a burning question for, I think, a lot of us for young people, for uh, young families, for older people, middle income. So it, it touches everybody now. One of the biggest barriers um, I think that has occurred over the last 10 years in particular is the monetization or commodification of housing. Housing is no longer about a home, it is about an investment portfolio. And that is particularly true in Oak Bay. So a lot of wealth has been injected into the housing market. Um, to fund and build homes that are literally not affordable for anyone, frankly, unless you you know unless you're very well well off. Um, so we have that issue, um, and Esther and Roxanne spoke to that a bit. Um, what we did do, this council finally approved secondary suites as a legitimate housing option in Oak Bay. That has been an outstanding issue since around 2006. Um, so that's one thing. Secondary suites are incredibly important. We also need new rental housing. The last rental housing uh, multifamily building was approved and built in about 2012-2013. So I want to see um, more rental housing in Oak Bay, first of all. I would also encourage partnerships. It will take partners to help us, given that we have limited public land and given that Funding must be shared with other levels of government. So housing is a burning issue, affordable housing a bigger issue. And honestly, I don't have all the answers, but we need to be open and willing to explore. Thank you. Well, thanks very much for the question. It really, in a lot of ways, is, is the number one biggest question uh, for the entire district. Um, as, you know, as has been stated, Ope has a challenge because of the cost of land and because of the, the nature of the properties that are in it. And it's one of the reasons why I brought forward a motion uh, towards the end of this term to look at barriers. You know, we often run into the same commentary in the community saying, well, this is the way it is and it's just very expensive. We're not going to be able to create affordable housing in Oak Bay. And so I brought forward a motion uh, that was supported 
to say, well, let's examine those barriers. Let's look at that. And nobody likes to say, let's, let's look at a plan and let's plan, for, you know, let's plan for doing something different. But it's a really important first step is acting on that motion to look at where the barriers are for creating real, genuinely affordable housing in the community. There's a couple of other things we can do. Um, nearly a better part of 40% of Oak Bay residents rent. We need to use things like rental-only zoning and incentivizing purpose-built rentals at the district level to help get protect the rentals we have and get more rentals. We also have the infill housing strategy that's underway. We have a lot of folks, we have an older demographic in Oak Bay and we have folks that are uh, living in their houses, in their single-family houses, potentially longer than they might like because they don't have an option where they can go. And if we can free up those, those if they have a really nice place to go that they feel comfortable with, they can stay in the community, make those uh, single-family homes available um, as residences. As is mentioned, suites are now available, or suites are now an option. So there's a lot more lateral mobility options there and a lot more diversity of housing choice that, that'll help out students and will help folks get more accessible housing. So I'm really excited to see where that's going. Thank you so much for the question. Um, I acknowledge the housing crisis um, and it's one of the reasons I am running. I wanna shift the conversation at the council table from every project being analyzed for how it might ruin the character of Oak Bay and change the conversation to how we can actually talk about it in a positive light of fulfilling the 150 units of housing that we need every year as shown in our housing needs report. The concrete ways that I would do this include a careful evaluation of the municipal properties that we have uh, to find out ways in which we could uh, produce more co-op housing and below market housing as well as creating specific goals under our strategic goals for what percentage of those that we desire. I would also look at prioritizing our village plan and implementation of the zoning in a concrete amount of time. Uh, start pilot projects for infill that are rapidly accepted by the community already. And our new um, infill housing report shows that 70% of Oak Bay is receptive to infill housing, uh, particularly garden suites and house conversions. I would look at pilot projects right away so that we're not waiting on the implementation of that and we can actually meet our first 150 units of, of housing right away. Um, we would need to put a welcome mat out to the developers in our community. They can work with us if we put the vision forward of what we want. I know so many local developers who want to build amazing townhouse projects, um, that missing middle that, that a lot of our residents, when I go door to door, are asking for. We just need to make it clear to the developers that we're going to actually um, consider these at the table and not let them sit for three years while they go through processes and finance these projects only to have them rejected. We need to create tax breaks for our existing rental stock um, in Oak Bay so that these buildings don't get torn down and take away the much needed rental that we already have. So these are many concrete ways that we can actually move forward to create the housing that our community really needs. Thank you. Hello. I'd like to address the more difficult part of your question, which is how you do that to meet uh, housing for low-income citizens' needs at 30% or no more than 30% of their income. And I just will preface my remarks by saying that for some number of years, I worked in a senior role at the City of Toronto's nonprofit housing corporation. And in Canada, we've had a long history of programs that were designed to do that, but all of them required both capital subsidies for the building construction and ongoing operating subsidies 
to ensure that those tenants, those renters' rents, were maintained at that level. So with Owen Oak Bay, we do have the opportunity to be more receptive to developments unless they come through the nonprofit or the co-op sector with capital subsidies to some extent that we can support maybe by land contributions and operating subsidies going forward, it is very, very hard to do, particularly in this market. So I just, I just want to caution folks when they ask that, that it is, we're talking about an ongoing substantial commitment generally from higher levels of government. It would be the province and sometimes the feds. That being said, there are things that we, we can do. We can be receptive to proposals from nonprofit societies when they do come to us. Unfortunately, we turned down a very good one some years back when uh, the Oak Bay United Church, working with a nonprofit uh, uh, partner, uh, came forward with something that would have been really good. So we don't want to lose those opportunities. And if I were at the council table, I would be really supporting that. So we have to be receptive. And I think we also need to worry about our existing rental stock. Um, uh, because some of it is coming to the end of its life, and if it's replaced, we need to find mechanisms working with our partners federally, but certainly provincially, maybe federally too, to ensure that the, the rents for the replacement buildings stay at what's probably more an affordable level. So that's my perspective on this one. Thank you. Thank you. For the next question, which will also be on housing, you have one minute to answer. The question is, how have you been personally affected by the housing crisis? If you haven't, what other experiences have you had that might inform your advocacy for those dealing with the housing crisis head on? Okay, and we'll now randomly select who will answer first. And that will be Carrie Smart. And could you kindly repeat the second part of the question? So the first part of the question was around if I've personally been impacted by the housing crisis. Could you repeat the second part, please? If you haven't, what other experiences have you had that might inform your advocacy for those dealing with the housing crisis? Head thank on. You, thank you so much. Um, I have been so privileged in not personally um, having experienced um, being evicted from my house. I am a homeowner, and I feel in that privilege that it's made me more passionate about advocating for others. I've had many friends that are close to me that have um, been renovicted out of their houses, um, some of which have had to leave Oak Bay because they couldn't find accommodation locally. But I feel like even that is uh, privileged compared to the stories I hear of students living out of their cars, of people just struggling to find a place and that's why I'm passionately uh, running for council to make sure that we have housing diversity and housing options. Um, and so it just, the inequities of, of how this reaches all of us makes me even more impassioned. And it's a minute, right? Okay, thank you. Uh, personally affected, not really uh, at all, although I do say we have three adult children and one of them um, uh, just squeaked into the market here. So t for uh, adult children to be able to stay in the greater region, it's very difficult right now. I, it's not really a hardship. She was able to afford to buy something, but 
I know that many people are in much dire, more straits than that. But I would say, in terms of advocacy, going door to door can, uh, can, canvassing for the last few weeks, um, one message I want to get out, and I am engaging uh, residents, is this issue that renters are people too. Because there is definitely some prejudice in the homes of Oak Bay that somehow renters are second-class citizens, and they aren't. <laughs> and I've also been advocating for our infill strategy, which will not, the sky will not fall if we create options to allow infill in our community, and we should be doing it. So that's kind of the message I'm taking out. Thank you. Okay, over to Esther. Yes, thank you. I guess speaking from personal experience, I, I grew up in Winnipeg's North End um, and experienced, um, because I, I came from a, a single parent family, I know what it's like to live in social housing, I know what it's like to move frequently, um, and, and how long it took my husband and I to save for our first home. We purchased our first home, and then, of course, we, we hit the, the, the major housing um, bubble that came up, which is even worse than now, and I know it's hard to believe that, but uh, we bought our first home, and then interest rates went up to 17 and 18 percent. We had friends that lost houses. Um, we helped open food banks. So I know, I know certainly the hardship and the heartbreak of not having um, housing that meets the needs of people uh, that live in the communities. And it, I really appreciate the hardship. Thank you. Over to Eric. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, yes, I have been personally affected uh, by the housing issues over the years. Uh, I, I briefly touched on uh, the Toronto Island community. Um, that was a community that was threatened with bulldozing for 40 years. So literally, for most of my um, uh, teenage years and into young adult, there was no um, sense that I would still be living in that same house uh, the next week or next month, potentially next year, until we finally lost at the Supreme Court, but the province stepped in and saved that particular community. Um, uh, the, here, um, unfortunately, um, now that uh, my, my wife and I unfortunately divorced, we now have one family but need two houses. And that unfortunately is a pattern that is appearing across, the, across Canada. The last census says that the number one sort of or organization uh, used to be family with children. It's now a single person living in a house. Oak Bay, is the, strangely, our number of houses went up, but our population went down. So that's another indication that we've got a problem that's a bit bigger than just housing. Um, I now rent out spare rooms I'll to you. I'll have to you cut you off there. Thank you. And we'll go over to Roxanne. Thank you very much. Uh, I, like uh, most of the people up on this stage, uh, feel very privileged. Uh, the last time I was looking for a place to live was uh, in law school in Halifax. And at that time, there was a crisis as far as student housing went and I had to uh, rent a place that was a 45 minute bike ride. It was actually longer on the bus so I took a bike in Halifax. It was pretty harsh at times. Uh, but uh, my experience in Victoria, I was asked, I mentioned earlier, to be a part of the leadership council for the Coalition to End Homelessness. and. Uh, that experience was just unbelievable because I sat at the dinner table with people in our community, 
the Victoria, greater Victoria community who have struggled with homelessness. And there's a lot to be learned from uh, people who come from that Thank situation. You. Okay. Thank you for the question. I have personally been evicted from what was called an illegal suite in Oak Bay. As a young professional woman, I had 24 hours to find another home and it was horrendous. So that, that's my personal memory. Um, and then I have a family member who is struggling to meet um, rental requirements at the moment. Uh, she has her companion, a dog, and it's a, it's a very difficult situation. And rents, on average, are running well over $2,000 a month in Ope, and she's on a pension. But I will tell you that um, this is a, a really serious issue. Um, and working on the board of Our Place Society as a member brought me up close and very personal to homelessness as well. So I have very, very stark memories and concerns about this issue. Thank you. Thank you, and we'll finish with Andrew. Thanks very much. I, I too, am extremely privileged uh, to own a, own a home in Oak Bay, and I'm constantly re reminding myself that that is an intergenerational wealth thing, and it is specifically because of that, and that's why I'm there. Um, when I was, there's two things that I, two life experiences that I refer to a lot when I'm talking about housing in the Oak Bay context. First of all, I'm the only child of a single working mom um, and grew up for the first 10 years of my life in a condo development, which was a great experience. I had a, a great upbringing and a great time. And so when people say the only place that kids can get raised is in a single family house, I disagree. I, I've had a really great experience there and it was great, it was a great community. Um, the other thing I reflect on was my single working mom, a professional woman, uh, managed to buy a house uh, in the community where I grew up on her own uh, to put us up in. And I think about how almost impossible it would be for a single working parent to do that in today's economy, in today's market. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you so much, everyone, for those answers. We're now going to be moving subjects. So the next topic will be on the environment. You have two minutes to answer this question. What do you think is the most important step that Oak Bay can take in the next four years to mitigate the growing impacts of climate change? And the candidate to speak first on that will be Roxanne Helm. Thank you very much. Uh, I can't help but think about taking environmental economics up here at UVic. And uh, that was a long time ago. Every single decision I've made in my life, right from whether I'm going to keep the water running while I brush my teeth, up to something bigger, has to be, we have to consider cost-benefit analysis, and the cost includes the environmental cost. It's just built in. And the, so, sitting at council table, every single decision has to have that environmental thought, uh, consciousness, uh, reality, look at the costs, uh, and factor them into our decision making. They're huge, they're high, and they just can't be overlooked. CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria presents All Access affordable housing, and musicians. Martin Farnham, an associate professor of economics, illustrates the clown car effect musicians have to employ in order to live suitably in the city of Victoria. 
costs are too high, and musicians are too poor. So where a house might fit two people, it will have to fit five musicians. So you've got these relatively poor creative types um, who really need to be at the kind of the heart of a city in order to do what to do best what they want to do, and you might think, well, how would a musician ever go up against a rich person uh, in a in a bidding war for for an apartment? Um, musicians and other artists are often willing to live in pretty cramped quarters, right. and so the the fact that they're willing to um, uh, kind of uh, shoehorn themselves, several of them, into an apartment that was maybe only de- designed for a couple people, uh, it kind of it collectively their purchasing power can actually rise to a level a level that allows them to outbid those wealthier users. This podcast is brought to you by the Community Radio Fund of Canada, and if you'd like to listen to this podcast. Do so online at cfuvpodcast.com. Hello, everyone. What you got to realize is that our program schedule is online at cfuv.ca. Use your cellular phone, everybody's got one, or personal computers, seems like everyone's got one of those too, to view our program schedule at your leisure. Well, not everyone has a lot of leisure these days. Stream us online at cfuv.ca or check out our podcasts at cfuvpodcasts.com. How is that? Usually I'm sweeping the floors around this place. Your vote matters. The 2022 general local elections are coming up on October 15th. This is a chance for you to impact your city or municipality by voting for a mayor, set of councillors and other officials. Find out about the candidates in your area and voting locations. Go to elections.bc.ca. Climate change is one of the most critical issues facing all of us today, and that would be especially true in Oak Bay as a seaside community. We have to be concerned about sea rise. We have to be concerned about tree canopies, and we have to be concerned about how and where we develop so that we mitigate against climate change effects. This is not going to get any better. Uh, The heat dome was a a very stark and frightening reminder. So one of the things Oak Bay should do and and tries to do is to protect its tree canopies, not pave over its green spaces. We have just banned plastic bags and recently banned gas-powered garden equipment, including leaf blowers, which will be phased in as a ban. It was very controversial because people, at the bottom line, don't like change like that. But we, we are trying to do things both locally and regionally. And the other thing that we have done, we have just integrated a safety plan and active transportation plan. And um, it's true, Andrew has been a leader in that area. But Oak Bay has many opportunities to continue to be a leader on climate change mitigation. Thank you. Thank you. Go to Andrew. Thanks so much. Um, And it's a topic that I'm (laughs) deeply, deeply invested in and really passionate about, so I'm really glad that it's come up. I'm going to cheat a little bit uh, because it asked for what's the single biggest thing that uh, Oak Bay can do. Uh, Municipalities have two big levers that they can pull on to take action on climate. Number one is transportation, how people get around, and number two is housing, uh, the emissions that come from heating and cooling our housing. And we have the ability to control both of those things. We need to develop an active transportation network in Oak Bay. We're way behind the region as far as developing that active transportation network, and we need that basic 
network, that fundamental network, uh, this term we needed in these next couple of years, and that was a recommendation from the Community Climate Action Work Group. Getting people out of their cars, reducing the emissions from that, um, and getting, we're, we're very fortunate to be where we're, we are. We're close to downtown, we're close to the campus, obviously. So the places that people are going and the places that people you know, want to go, we, uh, we have the ability to make that easier for people who want to leave the car at home. That's, that's number one. And having that basic network's been proven to do uptake and adoption. Number two is, is housing. And the district can incentivize a lot of different ways for people to upgrade their homes, to switch to lower carbon ways of heating and cooling their homes, better insulation, uh, and it also avoids the, co the environmental costs of essentially scrapping a perfectly good home. So it's an, instead of the, uh, the waste and, frankly, the, uh, the large-scale, you know, there's a lot of embodied carbon in a house. So let's try to keep that house where it is and make it a lot more efficient. We have the bylaw and the policy tools at the municipal level to do that, and that's what we need to pull on. Thanks. I had the opportunity to um, be part of the Climate Action Working Group with Andrew, so I'm going to build upon everything he said. When we heard from experts and we analyzed the CRD's data on our municipality's carbon footprint, 40% of that was uh, single car use and transportation. And so that's why our committee put forward those two recommendations. One, to put forward specific initiatives that would double our transit use in Oak Bay, um, particularly providing free transit for youth under 18, as well as uh, cycling, cohesive cycling infrastructure, which Andrea has touched on. And it's really about getting people out of their cars and going door to door. I have heard that there are so many families that want their kids to be able to travel independently to school uh, and activities, and they don't feel safe. Um, without having that infrastructure. So we really, the, the population is ready to make that change, but the municipality is preventing it from happening right now by not providing this infrastructure. We also need to um, coordinate uh, possibilities for car share spots in Oak Bay. We need to look at all modes of transportation that aren't single car use. Um, the other sort of almost 30% of our carbon footprint is, is the housing piece. I would support, um, I've been involved uh, on committees looking at the, um, the step code, um, and Victoria and Sanich have taken a leadership role in the, the step code that Oak Bay needs to step up and meet. And there's a shift now away from energy efficient buildings to how our buildings are actually going to be fueled. And so that means that new housing projects going forward um, should not have fossil fuels uh, for their heating um, and their hot water. And I would support that at a council level because that's the change that we need to move forward with to avoid sea level rise. Um, I'm really passionate about climate. I've advocated, as I said, at the uh, school district as well as the municipality for declaring a climate emergency. Um, this is important and we, we need to step up. Thanks. Thank you. I, I did want to put in a plug for Oak Bay um, as a municipality that has within its own operations now been operating on a carbon neutral basis. So that's something that many municipalities in BC have attained and Oak Bay is one of them, so that's good. But um, it was back in, we have a former councillor named Michelle Kirby who many, many years ago spearheaded the effort to put our active transportation strategy together and I so liked what she was doing, I ran for her, for I supported her campaign. 
well, here we are. We haven't really moved much forward. But thank you to Andrew. Um, uh, that, that document has got new life to it. And single most important thing, it'll be implementing uh, as many of the recommendations in that um, strategy as we can and addressing, because it's transportation and buildings, and in Oak Bay buildings are mostly housing, it's transportation and buildings, it's working on that energy efficiency piece. Thank you. And we do have tools as local governments in our planning and our planning powers to address that. Thank you. Thank you. Go to Esther. Thanks for that question. Um, I've, I've had a passion for environmental issues uh, for many years, and it was my distinct pleasure with my affiliation with the Building Owners and Managers Association of Canada during my career to um, help as be a catalyst for and kick off the their best program, which is a building environmental and sustainability program. It is now the leading building program in North America with over 5,000 buildings registered. A lot of the success came from the professionals that developed the program by and for professionals, but we couldn't have achieved everything that we did without winning over the hearts and minds of all of the occupants of the build, big buildings that um, we managed and operated. So I think certainly it is the, I, and I applaud the efforts done on the Quilkit program here for um, getting out in the community of Oak Bay to um, encourage environmental and, um, and emissions stewardship in the, in the district. As a council, I think what we need to do is ensure that we are developing the policies that are for developing the community and for operating the community that will help reduce our emissions or at least control emissions with a growing population and to develop in a way that is more resilient to heavier rainfalls which we're experiencing and for hotter summers and to be very aware of when we are developing the CRD reports on sea level rise. Thank you. Over here. Thank you so much. Very, very important question. Very important topic. And near and dear to my heart, um, having uh, grown up uh, next to the water and now living next to the water again. So uh, always aware of, uh, of, of um, the rains and, uh, and the king tides and everything that we have to worry about for those of us down near the water. Um, uh, growing up in Toronto, um, I worked with Jack Layton, and he had—he was one of the things that we need here is to look at other places where ideas are working. One of the ideas he brought forward in a lot larger city was the Toronto Atmospheric Fund, which basically um, helped all the businesses and the homes to uh, to swap out at the time all of their their incandescent bulbs for something like a LED. I mean, we, all, we, we that, that one's been done, thank goodness. But there's, again, many ideas elsewhere that we can bring in uh, and help here. I understand the question is really on mitigation, so I'm going to focus a little bit more on that. Um, uh, Oak, I, I know we have a, 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 a greenhouse gas um, a climate emergency that we declared recently, but Oak Bay has been working on this since 2007. Well, that's one of the things I've loved about Oak Bay and, and the previous councils. We don't wait until there's an emergency. When a problem comes up, we start working on it right away. The former um, Oak Bay Green Committee uh, um, pushed the council at the time back then to work on not only greenhouse gases, but also the tree protection bylaw. Both of those things have been done. In 2014, we went greenhouse gas neutral at the district level, and now we're greenhouse gas negative. We're the first municipality in all of British Columbia to have a marked all-electric police car. 
et cetera, and everything else uh, that, that we've done to, to actually help draw down greenhouse gases. All of, all of Canada is only 2% of greenhouse gases worldwide, but each of us can still, can, can still um, make a huge change. I work at EMBC, Emergency Management British Columbia. Our business is mitigation. So there are many, many plans in place to help us with sea level rise and, and, uh, and all the impacts that that's going to bring in. The uh, CRD reports on sea level rise uh, t uh, t tied in with the work on tsunamis is going to show that Oak Bay will have an island in the middle of it. We need to obviously deal with that. A mitigation piece, we have to build some dikes. Thank you. The next question will also be on the environment, and you have just one minute to answer this one. In your opinion, is Oak Bay setting realistic environmental sustainability goals? What could be done to improve those goals? Okay, and the candidate to answer that first will be Karine Green. Thanks for the question. Um, yes, Oak Bay uh, has been dragging its feet on active transportation network and, the, and, and that kind of thing, but I have to say that for a very small municipality whose revenue, 97% of which comes from um, private property taxes, I think Oak Bay has shown leadership um, on many levels for uh, dealing with the environment. We have a very active parks maintenance program we have volunteers who maintain our parks. Bowker Creek has been restored. There are a number of um, issues that have been addressed by Oak Bay locally. And there is an old saying, think globally, act locally. And I believe Oak Bay has, within its parameters, been able to act locally. Yes, there's more that we can do. And improvement is always a goal. But I think for a small community, um, we have accomplished and achieved a number of important goals in the last 15 years. Thank you. Thank you. Over to Andrew. Thanks so much for the question. It, it's been alluded to that the, the district has been, has been uh, tracking its own uh, greenhouse gas emissions fairly well for some time. I think that we can do much, much better on tracking uh, for those things that are happening in the community and on private property. So I think that we haven't established appropriate metrics for how we're going to meet our climate action goals uh, in, the private, in the private area. I think that that means things like measuring mode shift. If we're going to get people out of their cars and into active transportation, we need to look at mode shift uh, measurements. And we also have a climate action grant that's actually already in the budget, but actually hasn't been rolled out to the community yet. And I would really like to see us track how that's being spent and how we can incentivize uh, things like energy upgrades and things like that in the community. So I think we need to do better with our metrics as far as how we, how we track making progress and so we can report out on it. I'll start by complimenting uh, Council on putting forward the um, cool kit recommendation from our Climate Action Working Group Committee. I think it has been an amazing grassroots effort. I'm currently a climate champion uh, for the Harling Point neighbourhood and I, we now have a 12-point action plan um, down in Harling Point for making our neighbourhood more climate friendly and, and I think that those grassroots initiatives are amazing and that was, in a sense, I feel a very low-cost way of bringing awareness to so many people and action to so many people. 
um, where I really, why I'm running and why I feel like the municipality can make a huge difference is that this previous councils have not supported um, anything with regards to regional cooperation with transit. I advocated to the mayor to finally get the seat back on the transit commission that had been, that we share with Esquimalt that we hadn't had for so long. But even with that, um, there hasn't been support um, uh, towards um, the options to increase transit use that our committee has put forward, as well as uh, the housing. Uh, that was a few years ago that we recommended having sustainable housing. Sorry, I will have to cut you off there. No problem. Okay. Can I just start by asking, what was the second part of the question? Have we set, are we setting, have we set realistic goals? And then what was the follow-up part? What could be done to improve these goals? What could be done to improve them? Okay. Um, uh, I don't know enough about the specific goals we have set, but I would say it's probably okay to set some stretch goals. I'm not sure that they necessarily need to be realistic as long as you're measuring against them, and maybe to have higher aspirations than we've shown so far would be good. Although I do think that there are strategies in place that are about to be rolled out and are being acted upon. For example, our goal around our tree canopy is a good one, and we are measuring that. So I, I echo some of what Andrew's saying here. Uh, we, whatever goals we do set, we need to be able to measure them and report out on them. Thank you. Okay, over to Esther. Thank you. Uh, to, to answer the first part, as uh, so been setting realistic goals, I think what we have been doing is deluding ourselves by setting very easy to achieve goals. Um, and, and what we have achieved to date really was because of a major grant that we got to um, do, a, do a heat and recirculating system in our recreational centers. So it wasn't, it wasn't too difficult to reach that. I think we can, we can do more, but we must demand more. Follow BC roadmap to uh, cl climate change. Get to net zero on all buildings, particularly if they're luxury buildings or luxury um, individual houses that require variances. The faster we can get to near net zero emissions and all personally do our part to control our our own carbon footprint will get us there faster. Thank you. Thank you. We'll move to Eric. Thank you so much. Uh, environmental goals realistic. Well, uh, one thing I'm in terms of what we could do moving forward in the, in this next term. Uh, is really move forward on that internal combustion engine um, outline. Uh, it's not very well known, but one hour of a normal lawnmower use equals 150 kilometers of any car today. That's a ridiculous amount of pollution that our neighbors are throwing out there and don't even realize. I mean, everyone knows it smells bad, but it's doing terrible things to the environment. So a lot of that uh, problems that we've got out there has to do with those internal combustion engines, not just the lawnmowers, but everything else. Uh, in terms of ho uh, whole mode active transportation plan, pedestrians, um, as we, you know, we have an older demographic here. Our, our, our sidewalks are like a roller coaster. It's terrible. Um, I, so I would like to borrow as much as we can from the Europeans and go level so that the cars have to adapt to the humans. And, uh, and we don't have to always adapt to the cars. Uh, tree canopy, step code. Step code is something that we could absolutely uh, raise to another level. That allows the building permit to basically okay, be more we'll stringent. We'll have to cut you off there. Thank you so much. And we'll go to Roxanne. Thank you for the question. I have to ask Eric where he's been in Europe because wherever I go, the sidewalks are really bad <laughs> compared to ours. But uh, now I just lost my train. Oh, sorry. 
okay, uh, you've heard a common theme here, uh, and I agree with Esther. Let's set the goals really high. Set the goals high and measure, measure, measure. And we're moving in the right direction, but uh, let's not make it easy for ourselves. Let's challenge ourselves. Uh, I live on the waterfront of Bowker Creek, and I've watched firsthand the great work that's been done to uh, revitalize the creek. Let's keep it up. Thanks. All right. Thank you so much, everyone. We have three questions left for you just to give you an idea of where we're at. Um, so we are going to switch topics. The next subject will be on truth and reconciliation. You will have one minute to answer this question. Two minutes to answer this question. Oh, thank you. <laughs> if elected, how will you contribute to truth and reconcilia reconciliation efforts with local indigenous communities? And what actions do you take in your personal lives to commit to those efforts? And the first candidate to speak on that will be Andrew Appleton. You know, it's it's a it's a great question, and I'm I'm really glad we got asked this one. Um, I guess I'll start by saying I'm sort of starting with the second part first, but in terms of my my personal commitment, I think. What I have encountered as a counselor over the course of my term uh, is a great, uh, a great change in awareness of the effect that we can have on the municipal level to further reconciliation. Um, I'm committed, deeply committed to that process personally, but I think I have been, you know, greatly educated and, and learned a great deal over the course of this term. I, it was during this term, obviously, um, that you know the missing children were found in Kamloops, and 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 the conver the national conversation that that engendered um, it fundamentally changed the way that you know we would view our role as elected officials, and that's really where I'm at. Um, in terms of the things that are that are moving forward, I'm very conscious now of the need to be moving forward with reconciliation and be guided by the words of indigenous people directly. We have a project that launched this term uh, with the Songhees First Nation at Sitchalmuth at Willows Beach to guide a conversation. It's a conversation about a conversation. It's really starting from first purposes. There is no presupposed idea. There is no agenda to that conversation. And it's about building a, con building a relationship with the Songhees so that we can build upon that. And so it's really about starting from a very, very uh, initial level and letting the Songhees and Esquimalt uh, and other Indigenous peoples guide that conversation for us. So it's about listening at this stage of the game. Thank you. Thank you. Over to Carrie. Thank you. I've... Um recently uh, had the opportunity um, personally to attend the Cairo's blanket exercise which was e extremely moving to me um, as well as in you know preparation for taking on this ex expanded role potentially of becoming a, a counselor I have attended indigenous um, perspectives training through the indigenous perspectives society um, and I'm now just making sure I show up to things and I think it's so important and in my learning that I've I've advanced, you know, even in the, the last month of, of really kind of moving from this place of um, 
I, I have to honestly say, you know, dis despair and, and grief to this place of where I can take action um, um, is really bringing me a lot of hope and, and how important it is for our community now to have these opportunities to move forward uh, together. Uh, in my work, I, I work in a, a framework of mapping, measuring, and selling of, of land, being an architect. And it's really important um, work to take the context of this colonization and to start really questioning how we work as in in the realm of what is our relationship to the land how are we leaving the land better than we had it before and how are we moving forward with our perspectives on on land ownership and i think in the municipality when i when i take that to my new role at at council i've been thinking a lot about our housing plans and how important it's going to be in the creation of new housing to have those conversations with not only the First Nations, but with our urban Indigenous uh, neighbours, with what kind of housing we need to build um, to include them and make them feel welcome in our community. Um, so it's those conversations um, and earnest engagement at Spuhung, um, looking at an economic a development relationship. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm, I need to start this segment with some truth, and it's got nothing to do with reconciliation, but Councillor Green very kindly pointed out to me that I misrepresented something that occurred in Oak Bay because I, it turns out I had misunderstood the situation. It goes back to the proposal for nonprofit housing on the Oak Bay United Church lands. It had two rounds of community consultation, but it turns out it never got presented to Council. So they didn't reject it. They didn't ever get, the application was not far enough along that it could come to council and then be approved perhaps for a public hearing. So I want to correct the record there. I was wrong. And I, I want to take back everything I said about council. Anyway, on to the reconciliation part of the question. Um, um, I encourage anybody here, uh, Reconciliation Oak Bay had a forum with us, I guess it was two weeks ago now, and we all got to comment at length about our um, views and, and the role and the time and the way of reconciliation in Oak Bay and um, what we would do personally. And they have posted that through their Facebook page. So if you want to hear more in depth, it's a really good place to go. It's a very good recording, a very good quality recording and uh, moderated by Gregor Craigie. Um, how will I contribute and my personal efforts? Just a few things I'll say quickly. Um, in addition, I'm a Camosun College employee now, and the college is uh, uh, really a, f a front leader in, in terms of supporting staff and students in the Indigenous community. And we all have access to training that we've participated in uh, that helps us understand our history and the need for reconciliation. Um, I also attended the Kairos Blanket exercise. I worked for many years at the Victoria Native Friendship Centre um, as an instructor and a classroom assistant um, in an administrative role and have spent many, many hours uh, making friends and lifelong relationships with students. And uh, Thank finally, you. reading Thank you. I'll have multimedia. to cut you off there. Thank you. And we'll move on to Esther. Yes, thanks. I'm, this is always a bit of a difficult subject for me. Um, my background's fairly extensive, not all of it pleasant. I, I um, having witnessed firsthand children being taken from their homes in the 60s scoop, I started printing letters then 
to uh, members of parliament to try to get them to to stop it and listen to my grandmother who was fighting that. I um, advocated for veterans' rights because when I realized that my grandfather and my father and my brother were all entitled to um, veterans' benefits from the Canadian Armed Forces that Indigenous veterans did not have the rights to, including laying wreaths at the cenotaph. They weren't allowed to do that in Ottawa until 1995. They didn't get disability or veterans' benefits until 2003. So it has been a, it's been a long time, and I been, was also very involved in Manitoba with the um, Métis Federation as it was growing, and it was, um, it was very violent times. And so to be involved with that, I tried to be a support. Um, and uh, it, was, it wasn't an easy situation, but they've come a long way. So I, what I try to do is I try to be a supporter. I try to be an ally. And mostly I, I just try to help where they ask and indicate the need is. It's not about um, directing. It's about listening and supporting. Thank you. Thank you. Over to Eric. And thank you very much. A vital um, um, uh, issue of our, our file that we need to deal with uh, this on, on this mandate coming forward. Uh, as many of you know, we have a, a, a marina lease process that's, that's, that's being engaged right now. Unfortunately, there's some things we can't talk about until the lease is actually signed, but um, it's giving us an opportunity to reset that and, and to work with our local First Nations um, who have a much closer relationship to the land than I think uh, most of us. Um, I, I see that aspect focusing on prosperity as being one of the key underpinnings of, of what I'd like to see with respect to truth and reconciliation. Some pra I'm, I'm an engineer. I want to need a pra pragmatic, practical uh, um, uh, example. Uh, symbols are important. But I like to see uh, you know communities thrive. Songhees um, has left the Indian Act uh, through a, a process that the federal government put in place in 1999. They are thriving. I would like to help them continue that. Uh, the Esquimalt Nation is working on it, and I like to see whatever I, I can do either through council or 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 one-on-one or -on -one through through helping uh, uh, them uh, lift up and and find ways that the community. Can, uh, and, and their economy can do do much better since, as we know, the statistics on First Nations reserves are nowhere near uh, what they are with respect to what, what we encounter day by day. Um, I've had a chance through EMBC, uh, because the uh, Emergency Management of British Columbia um, has, uh, took on responsibility for all emergency management for all First Nations across the province uh, in, in a, in a three-way three agreement between the federal government, the, the provincial government, and, um, and the Assembly of First Nations. So uh, uh, First Nations, uh, we've doubled our staff and taken on basically all of First Nations. So lots of training in allyship, in humility, and in finding ways of, of just being a, a help. I'm so uh, impressed with the, with the compassion and the good uh, practical ways to enhance prosperity that I brought forward by Corinne and Esther in the last uh, council. And I, I'm learning. Thank you. Thank you. That's all the time we have. Okay, Roxanne. Thank you very much. Uh, reconciliation is a journey. And uh, it's, in my view, going to be a lifelong journey. And in order to really um, embark on that journey, we have to create a relationship. And we have to create the relationship in order to nurture it. So uh, there's challenges for us, barriers, someone said earlier. Uh, and we have to recognize the capacity of First Nations. 
you know, all of a sudden, everybody wants a piece of them. And uh, they have to prioritize their, uh, their time, frankly. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet a woman in 2006. I worked with her quite closely on a tribunal. Uh, she's a woman from the Gixan Nation. And we worked together for seven years, and we remain friends to this day. And that relationship is what has taken me a long way on my journey uh, towards reconciliation. Uh, I worked on the board at the Intercultural Association for six years and then served as president. And in my president year, we uh, did a project called Indigenous Journey, where we brought in uh, consultants to help us, you know, look inside ourselves to be able to really look outside uh, to create and nurture the relationship with our Indigenous neighbours. So, like all of us, I've got a lot to learn. I think it's going to be a lifetime of learning. Thank you. Thank you. Over to Kareen. Thank you very much for the question. This is a difficult one, but I will say, first of all, that we all have to come to terms with truth. The truth about racism, the truth about isolation, the truth about poverty and pain and trauma. We also have to come to terms with the fact that there are many Indigenous communities in our country that still don't have clean water. And why is that? Indigenous people have been incredibly patient with our governments, all levels, waiting and waiting for some kind of justice and equity. So these are all systemic issues. It isn't just about one local government or about one community, it is about all of us. Um, I still feel that Indigenous and non-Indigenous communities are still very separate solitudes, and somehow we have to bridge the solitude. Um, and this is personal work. We all have work to do on this issue. But UVic is, an, is a world leader now in Indigenous affairs, and that is because of your new law school, uh, because of your Life Lab lab, um, situation. You, you, are, you have done some groundbreaking work in the field of Indigenous Truth and Reconciliation. Um, we could all take lessons. And um, it's true, it's about lessons and about learning. I've had the privilege of working with Indigenous communities in the Cowichan Valley, on the Saanich Peninsula, uh, and here in Victoria. I actually was uh, the, the only non-Indigenous manager in K-12 education, working with all Indigenous staff and an, an Indigenous director, Dr. Lorna Williams, whom I believe was here at UVic for some time in the Faculty of Education. So I still don't know enough. I will never know enough. But what I am reminded is, um, from the Indigenous perspective, nothing about us without us. Standing up against racism is an ongoing battle. How will you help? I will listen to and learn from people who don't look like me. I commit to find the strength to work on my own implicit biases, to better educate myself, and to encourage those around me to do the same. I will listen actively and respectfully. This message is brought to you by the Canadian Anti-Racism Youth Coalition. Visit caryc.ca for more information about how you can stand up and speak out.
Every Sunday, 5 to 6 p.m., tune in for Audio Osmosis. Psych, electronic, everything in between on CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Hey listeners, want to hear your voice on the radio? Guess what? You can host your own show. And you can do it from the comfort of your own home. For example, right now I am wearing a fuzzy bathrobe. We will teach you everything you need to know. Head to cfuv.ca and click on volunteer to learn more. Thank you. The next question also has to do with allyship. What does it mean to you to be an ally with communities that face discrimination, such as people with disabilities and BIPOC communities? And do you think it's within council's responsibility to include to improve equity for these people in Ope? And you will have one minute to answer that question. The first person to answer will be Andrew Appleton. Yeah, really, really pleased that this question got asked. Um, I'm constantly reminding myself of the barriers that I don't have. I am a middle-aged white male, uh, you know, cishet uh, male. I most processes and situations are designed to around me, and historically have been designed around me. And so my job is to constantly remind myself that that is the barrier, that I, I benefit by that privilege every day. In this role as an elected councillor, there's a significant underrepresentation from the communities that you've mentioned. We're underrepresented in terms of uh, persons of color, LGBTQ people, younger people, women. Uh, we just need to indicate our, our openness and, our, our, and create a welcoming environment so that those people can feel comfortable thank engaging. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Over to Carrie. Thank you. I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, I actually had the opportunity this week through my role as on the board of Dance Victoria to take a course through the Intercultural Association on allyship and racism and stepping up. And um, really, it was, it was so startling to, you know, look at just generally the, the sense of everybody wanting to do it but not knowing how to do it. And so talking about those things like speaking up, um, but particularly um, not being ashamed of your privilege, but using your privilege to, to make opportunities for others. And so echoing what Andrew said, it's, it's about when we're making decisions at the council table to think about others' perspectives. So from the format of all ages and abilities, um, when we're looking at um, sidewalks and infrastructure and from the economic realities that some people face. Um, and so it's that inclusion piece that I'm so passionate about um, at Oak Bay and making sure that we have those representation on our committees and that we're hearing from all voices and that we're not. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, allyship. That's a new word to me, but I like that. Allyship. Um, to be an ally for the marginalized, um, I think as an individual, as a council, we need to be open to listening and making time and thinking about how our processes themselves may create barriers because if you don't face them, if you, if you don't perceive them because you are 
not in that situation. Sometimes it's even hard to see how the things that you've normalized and you as in your in your day-to-day -day life are not easy or normal for other people. So I think it's uh, open eyes and um, and a heightened awareness and and education for sure to be uh, to be an ally. So it, it it harkens back to some of the things we're saying about reconciliation. Actually, thank you. Thank you. Over to Esther. Yes, thank you. Um, you know, I feel like I've been an ally for for quite a few decades with all of the um, the trauma I've sort of experienced personally and, and with friends. And uh, I, you know, it's one of the reasons too that I put forward a motion at Oak Base Council to appoint a council and community committee to work on um, actions towards truth and reconciliation. You can't legislate against racism. All you can do is keep working at it and keep making people see the truth. I've been out knocking on doors. I was invited to, into a household where they had an indigenous elders circle, but they do it under the radar. And I'm having so many indigenous people in the community now introduce themselves to me because they feel comfortable doing that. We have to expand that. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes, uh, very, very important. Uh, the, uh, my experience through emergency management in British Columbia in terms of what we're doing at the provincial level, uh, uh, that there's lessons in allyship and, and it goes to, to, to level after level after level where we're sitting down and basically working through, uh, as, as mentioned by, by, um, by Leslie, the, 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 the items that we're not fully aware of in terms of the un unconscious sort of uh, um, ways of looking at the world and trying to see some of those items being changed. Um, uh, I, I do, uh, through my daughter in particular, uh, who's, as I mentioned here in first year university, um, and the work she did at the Colvick de Bordeaux, um, a number of the communities, whether it's poverty or whether it's through um, uh, the various communities that, that you've mentioned uh, in, in the question, um, uh, I, I was unaware. Uh, so she's actually been able to sort of uh, point that out to me and, and make it, make it uh, uh, visible. I've so been proud that Ope Council has been female majority for the last few councils and regardless of how the vote goes, it's going to be female dominated again, which I think is great. Um, Thank you. That is all the time you have. And we'll go to Roxanne. Thank you very much. Uh, I guess I just go back to it's all about relationships. And uh, I think, I guess by way of analogy, I think back to when I first started practicing law, uh, all of the judges were white males. And it's kind of a challenge to look at the people making the decisions coming from that very um, uniform demographic. Uh, and that's changed significantly, totally now. Uh, the bench is reflective of our community. Our council, whatever happens on October 15th, isn't going to be quite so much. We're going to be female. Uh, but, you know, it's, we want to make a welcoming community. We want to ensure we're inclusive. We have to build on relationships to be able to do that. And hopefully one day, the council will look just like the community does. Thank you. Thanks for the question, a really important one. Um, <clears throat> I've spent most of my career working with um, marginalized groups and people uh, as a helping professional. 
um, and those have been the greatest lessons of my life. Um, and I have also had family members who were marginalized, and and I've also going back to a comment that was made about the difference between homeowners and renters uh, in communities. Renters are less than um, often, and so. I have observed and, and worked with people who have been um, on the margins of our society. Um, at the moment, the, the homelessness group is being terribly targeted and marginalized by all of us and by communities. So I guess allyship is incredibly important um, and this community, every community has to be inclusive. We have to embrace everyone and I know that's Thank you. It's a tall order. Thank, Thank you. you. Amazing. Thank you so much, everyone. We are now on the last question. Um, and the last question will be about mental health. So the question, you will have one minute to answer. And it is, poor mental health is a growing concern among university students. What resources, programs, or projects do you think Oak Bay can implement to better support mental well-being in the community? And the first candidate to answer that will be Roxanne Helm. Yikes, that's a hard one. <laughs> uh, of course, mental health is uh, something that falls within the provincial uh, government's jurisdiction. But uh, at the local level, well, we're here. Oak Bay Council is here to make sure that this continues to be an absolutely beautiful paradise within which to live, uh, make sure our parks are just second to none, which they are, uh, and that helps with stress, uh, ultimately promotes mental health. Uh, so let's keep Oak Bay the wonderful paradise it is. It's about all I can think of. Thank you. We'll go on to Kareem. Thank you. Um, the future of the Oak Bay Lodge site is critical. Uh, Oak Bay does not have a primary health care clinic or site. I would like to see mixed programs, one of which would be mental health day programs um, and possibly mental health residential programs on that site. So a campus of care, um, it's often been described as conceptually. Um, all of us have, I think, a responsibility to respond to individuals that have mental health challenges, if we can help them, we must do that as individuals. But as a community, we have a very active um, recreational program and a very wonderful Monterey Center, all of which provide, and the volunteer services, provide support to people who are struggling. Not so much to students, I have to say, um, but certainly to members of our community. Um, in terms of students, let's make housing available to you in our community. Let's open our doors to you in our community. And I hope you'll get involved in our community. Thank you. That is all the time you have. Perfect. And we'll go on to Andrew. Thanks very much. Uh, mental health, uh, my mental health has always rested on my ability to get outside, get, uh, get fresh air, and get recreational opportunities. So, you know, we need to do better in Oak Bay in terms of providing really high quality recreational uh, opportunities. Our recreational facilities need more investment and we need to do better with that. We don't have programming and events that are designed by youth and young people 
uh, for them to get engaged in the community. We have great public events. We have great community gatherings. But in terms of ones that would be designed and with uh, youth and young people as a focus that they can feel uh, engaged in, we can do way better with that. And then I'm really conscious of the fact that mental health for students and young people in the community has a lot to do with their housing situation. And if we can keep people securely housed and have that stress taken off of them, I'm, I'm, I know that that's going to be a direct benefit to their mental health. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yeah, and just to expand upon that, you know, from a municipal level, making um, uh, youth feel like they are heard at the council table um, when we're addressing their concerns um, and that we're actually prioritizing things like their, the housing and the climate um, crises over parking um, to have a feeling of an open door at council to have a youth uh, committee that is an informing council as we are the ones shaping uh, the future um, for the next generation uh, to provide enough housing so that that isn't a stress anymore uh, to provide more opportunities for coffee houses and town halls and ways to connect and also to invest in our public spaces and urban village centers and in the same way that the Oak Bay Night Market um, has created this amazing um, space where all ages feel welcome, how can we do that by um, working with our, our businesses and creating more opportunities for, um, heaven forbid, nightlife in Oak Bay <laughs> so that there's opportunities for um, all ages to gather? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There are actually now and more every year, more and more resources to support awareness around mental health in the community that, that residents of Oak Bay can access. The um, high schools and the colleges and the university have really good supports and programs. Um, and I wondered, even as you were asking the question, whether that some of that mental health awareness trainings, there's some really good stuff out there maybe even just as individual counselors. We did that as part of our own um, uh, uh, practice and being able to play our roles. Um, but I do want to mention also things in the community like Family Smart, Our Place, uh, Intercultural Association, The Why. There are, we, we're getting better at this, although I, I do echo what Corrine's saying about the need for perhaps that as a, as a feature in this hopefully primary care facility that comes to the Oak Bay Lodge. So I would, that's what I have to say. Thank you. We'll move to Esther. Yes, it's a, an interesting question, and certainly I agree with what many of the, um, the uh, my colleagues up here have, have been stating about having good, healthy programs in the in the district. That's really important. But I also am on the I'm the, the council liaison right now to Victoria Family Court and Youth Justice, and I can say that as compared to some of the other provinces, the support systems here for youth, and many of the youth are um, under mental strain that causes addictions problems, and it can spiral down. And we don't have, we don't have a co cohesive umbrella of um, coordination and funding for the services to actually be available for counseling to youth. So I would like to really see um, that program become more expanded to be um, similar to what is in other provinces, both for funding and responsiveness to youth. Thank you. We'll go to Eric. Thank you so much. Um, this has touched me so uh, so personally. Unfortunately, my, uh, my late uh, older brother uh, was schizophrenic and, uh, and, and could not survive in this world. 
Um, so I have, unfortunately, terrible personal experience with mental health and seeing its impact, uh, not just on self, but on family and on community. Uh, that the, the, we have so much that we can learn from the First Nations, from the indigenous. Uh, Oak Bay Lodge could be something like the Songhees Wellness Center. I could see something like that being put up there. Uh, uh, focusing on wellness, expand the medical aspect. Primary care is important, but we need to, to do more. Caring and sharing will help us with resilience. Uh, and we have to help each other out in this. We, uh, the, 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 the powers that be don't have the dollars to pay for all of the work that's needed here. So we actually have to help with each other. With, um, uh, uh, caring and sharing our homes, our resources, and helping out each other uh, uh, through the volunteer or whatever it takes. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that concludes all of our questions for tonight. Thank you, candidates, for sharing your words, and we will now be followed by a meet and greet. So, oh, I'm so sorry. We actually do have closing remarks. <laughs> Pardon me. Okay, so now we will move to closing remarks. You'll each have two minutes if you'd like to take all that time to just address anything that you feel wasn't covered, anything important from your platform. And we also will have a closing remark from Hazel Braithwaite from Izzy. Okay, here we go. Um, once again, I'd like to express how sorry I am that COVID isolation has prevented me from being here with you tonight. For my concluding comments, I'd like to say that I hope you have felt that my time on council has led to accomplishments that you approve of. I am proud of what I have achieved so far, but I know there is still much more to do. For instance, here are four items I feel are important. Number one, preserving and enhancing the livability of our public spaces. We have approved secondary suites, which will help the housing situation around campus, but our infill housing strategy needs further public consultation. Your opinion really matters, so we will be looking to you for additional input. Number two, reconciliation with First Nations. This is a top council priority and a top one for me as well. In its truest definition, reconciliation means to make amends. Reconciliation takes trust and trust takes time. Our process has to be indigenous led to build that trust and it's definitely not something we can dictate in terms of or push our own agenda and timeline on. Number three, planning our village spaces, uh, spaces. I think we need to take a good look at ways to make our village areas more appealing. And I hope you agree. At the same time, this will support the many businesses that supply goods, services, jobs, and tax revenues. Number four, upgrading our infrastructure. Fixing what's below the ground isn't sexy, but it's important. We are making inroads into being able to fund our aging infrastructure, but need, uh, but, but, excuse me, but more needs to be done. In conclusion, I'd like to say, UVic is a really integral part of Oak Bay, and we are fortunate to have this world-class campus right here in our neighborhood. To that end, we need to make sure that we listen to, to what you need. The students are, what the needs of you, the students are, as you play an important role in our community. On October 15th, please vote for Hazel Braithwaite so I can continue to give you all of my support. Thank you so much for Thank listening you. to my closing statements. Okay, and now we'll randomly select who can provide their closing statements first. That will be Carrie Smart. Radio Polonia invites you to listen to our program every Sunday from 10 to 11 a.m. Our show will cover subjects related to Polish history, geography, culture, and traditions. Plus, you will get to hear Polish music ranging from folk to contemporary. 
Radio Polonia is on CFUV 101.9 FM and on CFUV.ca. Thank you so much um, to the Martlet for hosting, for, for moderating tonight and for UVSS for hosting. Um, really appreciate this opportunity. Um, and I just really appreciate everybody who's tuned in tonight and who's, who showed up today. Um, it's so great to have engagement. I will prioritize the much needed creation of housing, active transportation and climate action. I act on my beliefs. Um, I will not spend the next four years just studying everything. I will shift the exclusive vibe and feeling that Oak Bay Council is representing a privileged few to the dialogue that in order to be a truly happy and healthy community, we will need to have a strong social foundation and we need to be in balance with nature. I love Oak Bay and I believe in the power of our local government to act on the will of all of its residents. And I have gone door to door and I have heard that the community is ready for change. And I represent that generation of Oak Bay citizens who want our community to be in inclusive, climate ready and welcoming. Through my professional and volunteer work, I facilitated groups with diverse opinions. I listen well and I help groups take decisive action. I am committed to the principles of inclusion and reconciliation. And I believe I can ignite Oak Bay's commitment to the housing diversity, climate resilient neighborhoods and the implementation of a vibrant village plan. My community advocacy, architectural background and ability to broker different perspectives will bring a smart progressive voice to council. Please visit my website at carrysmart.ca, chat with me afterwards, and please vote because it is so important. Thank you so much. Thank you, Carrie. Go to Leslie. Hi, I'd just like to use my closing time just to comment on the healthy state of democracy in Oak Bay. I have been out canvassing, and I have to say that I am, it doesn't really, in a, at the end of the day, Whoever gets elected, the community is well-informed. That's what I'm finding, that they're engaged. They want to talk about their issues. They're coming out to events. And I think that is so healthy that students are sponsoring this. Um, over the course of the time we've been doing this hard work of presenting our platforms, many organizations have approached us and interest groups. We've all responded with our carefully thought answers and there is lots of material about all of us out there in multimedia for you to um, uh, access capital daily would be an example homes for the living help me out who else we and on and on so um, I guess uh, that's my reflection that whoever gets elected we are fortunate um, to be able to serve and and we are fortunate to be able to serve in the community thank you Thank you. We'll move to Esther. Thank you. Thank you for um, inviting us here tonight and allowing us the opportunity to speak to you um, in very interesting questions. So uh, I commend you on the thoughtfulness that went into the questions. I, if I am allowed to continue to a next term, I will be pursuing certainly the, the goals that got me through my first term. and. I feel that the role of council at this level, local councils, is really making, making our communities a better place to live. In my opinion, that really is the, the core foundation of that, is having uh, a community that is in a healthy financial situation so that we can deliver the core services that are needed to um, 
to not only maintain and replace what we have, but to improve on, on parks and green spaces and public areas. So I think that, that is, that's a critical element of it. And also with the, the pressure on finding good resources, good skilled workers to, to do the, the um, work that we need in the community, we have to ensure that we are supportive of, a, of a, and are a community that values our employees and, and supports good employee programs so that they uh, can grow and continue to, um, to enjoy their work in the District of Oak Bay, continue to uh, do services in the very responsible and capable way that they have in the past. Thank you. Thank you. Over to Eric. And thank you very much. Uh, so appreciate uh, this opportunity. And thank you so much to the Martlet for organizing this and as your excellent questions. My goodness, uh, there's so much uh, still left to do. I, I, I briefly wanted to touch on, uh, um, with the secondary suites, one of the things that I, that, that I was able to bring forward, and I was so thrilled that uh, Council uh, uh, supported, was uh, out, uh, making not allowed Airbnbs anywhere in Oak Bay. There's no sense us busting our butt, creating as much housing as possible, only to have it wished off in the, in the, into the short-term market and, uh, and, and not available to, uh, to any of you. Uh, or to any, any of, the, of the needers, any of those who need it. Um, I was also thrilled that uh, we increased the number of borders. Uh, it used to be two, it's now up to, up to six. Uh, five plus um, the, uh, if there's a live-in uh, care person, they're now considered part of the family. So I was really thrilled that with all, of, all the work that we did on secondary suites and it does still extend over in an infill, that this is made available even more housing without having to build anything new. Um, on the first platform uh, that I ran, I, I ran against amalgamation. I'm still against amalgamation. Uh, Dr. Robert Bish of UVic uh, wrote some extensive reports as to why it wouldn't work here. And I'm an evidence-based person. I, I, the only reason I'm here was because Toronto amalgamated. I actually left Toronto because of the amalgamation. I don't particularly want to encourage you know, a Doug Ford-like community, uh, uh, communities or Doug Ford-like governments. So I like the fact that we have this opportunity at, at, a, at a smaller scale to work with you and to work with, with the community and to know each other. I think that's fantastic. Um, I hear a lot of people calling for diverse housing choice, but the choices that are, being, that are going to be on the table, don't be surprised, you're going to have a choice of a million-dollar condo or a two-million-dollar condo or a five-million-dollar condo. That's not affordable. I'd like to actually focus on affordability. So diverse voices at the table, please vote for me, Eric Zelka, my website, ericz.ca. My entire platform's up there. Please take a look. Thank you. Thank you. Over to Roxanne. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you to the Martlet, and thank you to the UVSS for hosting us tonight. Thank you all for coming. Uh, I have to say it's an honor for me to sit on this stage with uh, these candidates. Uh, it's pretty clear to me that whatever happens on October 15th, Oak Bay is going to be well served in the next four-year term. Uh, we all live in Oak Bay because it's a vibrant, safe community located in a very special natural setting. Uh, the challenge for our local government is to uh, balance respect for what we have that makes Oak Bay so unique while supporting change that's necessary to meet current and future needs. And uh, we, we have to get that balance right. 
um, I have with me, which uh, was given to me by a former mayor of Oak Bay, uh, his pamphlet from the 70s. And it says, keep Oak Bay a residential paradise. They called them aldermen back then. Uh, and his slogan was, preservation is progress. And people like uh, Brian Smith, we have a lot to thank him for and uh, uh, people who came after him. Today, I think progress is progress. So we have to shift in Oak Bay and I hope to be part of the shift. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Kareem. Thanks very much to all of you and for organizing this event. You have probably asked some of the more searching questions that I have been asked in the last two months or six weeks of campaigning. Um, you, you went to the heart of some issues. A lot of people still want to talk about uh, sidewalks, streetlights, and sewers, but you want to talk about issues that are heartfelt, that are important to you and to your community, which is UVic at this point, but you also live in our community, part of it, um, and we have to find ways, I think, to include you um, in more of what we do. Um, when I was in North Saanich, we created a youth council that um, sat with us uh, at the council table and helped inform our decision-making. Um, as I said, UVic is a huge asset. So um, I thank you for the questions. They are incredibly thought-provoking. Um, and I'm running again because this last four-year term felt unfinished for me, uh, given that we, like you, lost two and a half years of our council lives. You lost two and a half years of your student lives. And um, so I feel I've not finished some issues like housing, um, like environmental protection and climate change, like infrastructure and active transportation and safe transportation and many, many other things. You will know that local government is complex, but if I have the privilege of serving again if I'm reelected, and it is indeed a privilege, um, I hope to finish some of those things that are important, not only to all of us, but to our community and, and what matters. And I would say to you, Jane Goodall once said, what you do makes a difference. You only have to decide what difference you want to make. And the three of you tonight have made a difference for me, so thank you. Thank you. And we'll go on to Andrew. Thanks so much. I guess I get the privilege of the last word. Um, you know, I'm so grateful for the invitation, and I'm so great, grateful for the questions that have been, that have been asked here tonight. Um, this is a totally different perspective than we get in, in any other venue, um, and it's really, really important for us to, to hear. Um, I'm happy that over the course of my term on council that, that I've set an example or set a standard that, that people feel that they can trust me to keep on doing what I say I'm going to do. Um, I've really pushed harder for some quicker action this term, really pushed harder for transparency, good government, you know, all of the basics that, that allow us to do our job. And so when I say that I want to move forward on climate and I want to move forward on active transportation and I want to move forward on housing, it's because I hope that people can look back and see that I've been an advocate for those things and, and that I'm going to continue to do that hard work. And I'm, and I'm grateful to be thought of as a, as a progressive and, and a forward-looking type of counselor. Um, there are questions here tonight. I'm so interested in the questions that got asked. We, we do not, you know, I'm, I'm really appreciative on questions on things like mental health and on allyship 
Um, these, are, these are key things for us to consider. And I guess I would conclude by, I guess, calling a bit of a call of action to, to all of you. Um, we, we need your voice. You know, we need the voice of younger people. We need that voice and that representation and that opinion represent, represented on council. Uh, there is a shift in tone. There is a shift in the way that political discourse is happening uh, all the way down to the municipal level. Uh, and I feel really strongly that engaging younger people uh, and the diversity that the UVic campus represents uh, is a bit of an antidote to that. So I appreciate your, your interest and I encourage you to plug in and keep giving us your opinion. Thank you. Thank you. And now that really is the end of this forum. <laughs> thank you all so much for being here and thank you for the audience and the UBSS that hosted this. And CFUB. And CFUB. <laughs>